Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And I know we say it every time that this is a special uh, interview, um, but but this time it, it really is where I get the privilege to talk with one of my favorite coaches that, that I personally had. He was my uh, sprints and jumping coach throughout my time in high school from sophomore to, to senior year, was instrumental in finding my love for, for the sport. Uh, also, he was a what two-time NCAA um, qualifier in for the at the Division three level, as well as a sev- a coach for a seven-time in F seven-time state champions, four times indoor or four times outdoors, three times indoors. So he knows his stuff. Uh, we have uh, Coach Dean Lent. Uh, coach, thanks for for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I was very surprised by it, but honored to say the least. Oh no, I, I had to because uh, I actually got my the intro that I say with the bags down, spikes on. I actually got it from one of your practices. Don't know. I don't know if you you quite remember it, but I I remember it vividly. It was a uh, it was a day that we had one one fifties, and uh, we so we were we were just messing around, like sitting at the you know the top of the like where the, the circle chairs were. So for those that don't know, I went to Strathaven High School and there's these, there's a snack bar and these tables where everyone would sit and we, you know, before practice. And so we're all sitting there and, and coach, you came, you were coming in a little bit late and from your, you know, where you were at at Swenson. And so we're just talking and practice was supposed to have started like 10 minutes ago. And we were supposed to have been already warmed up by the time you got there for us to do, uh, you know, for us to get ready for the workout. And you came in, you were mad and you were like, all right, bags down, spike song, let's get on the track. And, and it just, it just stuck with me. And uh, yeah, so you're part of the, the intro for, for every single episode that we have going on. I probably, cause I, I my, my, obviously my school is quite some distance away from where Stratton was. So I have to come down to 95, which has been un, under construction forever. So I was probably, I do not like to be late. Anybody who knows me knows I'm not late. So I would rush to get down and get stuck in traffic. And so I probably took it out on the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever, whatever it was, it worked on, on our end. And uh, I mean, we, we got to run some, some good times. But well, wanted to, wanted to start off this with where it might have started off for you. Um, where was it that you kind of found your love for at first competing and, and really running track and field, um, you know, when you were like, okay, let's, you know, let's give this a whirl. I mean, I got into running like a lot of kids do at the, at the CYO level growing up, and, you know, but not, you know, nothing that I would say I was super serious. I didn't realize what it took to be serious in the sport or to be good at it. I, and then I got into a high school, Cardinal Dockery High School, which had a rich tradition of track and field, a lot of success. And I sort of saw the older kids in the team and the alumni would come back and, you know, it, it, I was into the sport. I mean, that, that, that hooked me into the sport, but I don't think I truly realized how much I wanted to do it until I transferred uh, into a science as a, as a sophomore. I spent a year at Temple University. Uh, and when I got there, it was the perfect fit. It was a small level school. I could run because I wanted to. 
I was not good enough that anybody would pay me to run. So there wasn't no obligation to do it. So I got into that level and uh, I have a twin brother that had been there for a year and he was running well. So I'm like, I could do this. So I, I, like I said before this, I got into the sport. I got into running under sound strictly for the running part of it, not the academics of it. Probably should check that out first. But that's when that's when the, the true love of the sport took over. Because I could see with the right mindset and some really awesome coaches exactly what the sport could do for me. And then it, that ultimately led me to what I've been doing for the last 32 years between teaching and coaching. Because I did not go to school to coach and did not go to school to teach. It's great. The, it's the amount that having a good coach and as well as good teammates can really help you find, you know, your love for whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I mean, what were, who are some of those coaches uh, or some of those things that might stick out in your mind that at Ursinus that really helped you, you know, really take that passion for, you know, for the sports to the next level? Well, when I first transferred to Ursinus, I had set off a year, so I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I'm, I'll, I'll say it up front, I'm not much of a distance runner. But of course, I've run cross country my whole life. But you know, there were some really good runners there, and I, you know, I thought I could handle myself there. But I, you know, it was a rude awakening. And the guy that I first met there, uh, Dave Simmons, who was the was the coach at the time, who would end up being my coach as far as the 800, 1500 meters, kind of, you know, you know, opened my eyes to, wow, if I'm going to run at this level, it doesn't matter what the level was. If I want to run with these other guys on the team, I got to. I got to up my game a little bit. So he is, he's the one I credit with figuring out what I needed to do. He would be kind and empathetic, but he would also kick me in the ass and, and tell me what I needed to do in, in, in very blunt terms, some of which I'd borrowed in my own coaching styles over the year. So, but I mean, he, he cared about what I uh, wanted to do and made me look beyond just being successful at the school level. Um, and he's who I credit for the success I have on the track. And the other guy, Bob Shout, who was a legend in, in, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania. I think he was just inducted into the Pennsylvania State uh, Sports Hall of Fame, the, the, the statewide one. Um, he was the cross-country coach when, uh, at my second year there. And he had come in after being at Villanova and coached some women's teams out there. And I had heard stories because he had been at Ursonics an earlier uh, period of time and the alumni would just say how insane he was and all this stuff and so I was terrified terrified but he made me understand what I needed to do on the distance end of things to be good on the track end of things because I always use cross country just as a means to be good for be good on the track but I came to appreciate what the distance was and ended up having you know for me success in cross country and then the, the, the teammates that I had I mean my my wife jokes about track being uh, like a, a like a cult, and you you know our our friendships are created in this sport. So my lifelong friends I met in high school and and in college, track guys, my coaching friends. That's the group that I hang with. So that being able to being able to be involved in something that everybody had the same goal, and you know we were there with them from you know. August till June, and then you get together summer. It just it 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 made me want to put more into the sport. And you know, you're you're competing with these guys. You also want to 
make sure you contribute and you help them out. If you're on relays, you don't want to, you don't want to be the guy responsible for things not going well. So I've been blessed to just run into great people and I'm biased about the sports, but there are no bad people in track and field. There really are. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's weird to say it. Cause that's, it's so true that if you ever get into the sport and, and really start taking, you know, track and track and field, at least semi-seriously, you'll notice that pretty much everyone that you have, like all the friends that or a lot of the friends that you're going to make throughout your, the rest of your life will, will be from, from your track team. I mean, a lot of my, my closest friends are people that I met either in high school on the track team, or they're people that I met in college on the track team as well. Like I'm, I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm sure they'll pretty much, and all the people that I meet now after competing are people that I either meet at track meets or are involved in the, the track community because it's like everyone's like has the same passion of doing a sport that for the most part people hate it's like the worst part of people of sports like if you're if you're playing football the worst part about football practice is when you hear all right get on the line we're doing suicides or up downs whatever it is and it's like well that's our entire thing and so you have this you get this unique bond that you you might not get in other places. Yeah, and for an individual sport, which a lot of people think track and field is an individual sport, I think there's more teams, there's more bonding in that sport, in this sport than most. Because, you know, yes, there's competition, but I don't think it's cutthroat with some teammates. I think there's a true understanding that for me to be good at what I did, I needed other people to make me better. I, I credit a lot of what I did in college I had a twin brother that ran with me for three years. It was like running against myself. So I credit whatever I did on the track because if he wasn't there, I don't know if I would have gotten as far as I got. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I could have soured on the sport too. I mean, it's part of the reason I think I transferred into science in the first place is I had run with him throughout grade school and high school. And then we had one year apart and, you know, I, something was missing, but then I, that is what kind of, you know, he's, he's responsible. I mean, he doesn't, you know, I've told him that. Um, and, you know, I'm, it's not something that I'm just saying. He really, and him and many others. I mean, you can, you know, it from your days, there's just certain people that kind of force you to do the best, bring out the best. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to notice that at the time, like when you're, when you're doing it, like when you're running, I remember one of my close friends who, uh, I tried to get running for track for four years, Caleb, Caleb uh, Bachman. He, uh, he, he ended up being a, a really successful uh, high jumper for, for us in high school and ended up competing really well in, uh, in college as well and, and really started, you know, really started loving it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I was asking him to compete for three straight years. I'm like, Caleb, you like, go, let's go. You, you can, you play basketball, you can jump hot. Like, let's do it. Like, let's go. And he's just like, nah, man, I'm a, I'm a basketball player. And I'm like, I'm telling you, once you try it, you're going to like it. And then he came out his senior year outdoors, only had one season, has, you know, limited amount of coaching. Cause you know, you can only do so much coaching in one year. Ended up jumping what like six one six two something something well uh, yeah. for for that much and and I took that into a college track career not a basketball career mm-hmm. and and that is funny as I had a a young lady I coached at Nashville Academy and I was there it was a four year basketball player good basketball player came out one year to run uh, it did well you know sub two twenty half mile and competitive enough to get somebody's interest ended up. Uh, running very successfully at St. Joe's University. Never played basketball again. 
So, and I always say that. I'm like, yeah, you're good at those sports because you play them. How do you know that this isn't really your sport? And, you know, sometimes it is. They're like, wow, that woke, woke me up. That, that I want to do this. They've just been doing the other things so long that they just thought that's what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember when he brought Caleb out. That was great because he also ran well. I mean, he, he, he took to the sport. It was, it was the right it was the right sport for him. He could yeah. shine individually, and he was great with other people, too. So. Exactly. Yeah, I, followed him, I followed him throughout college, though. Oh, yeah, he he's ended up doing very well. Yeah, he was inst- he was instrumental in our you – know, he was part of our pen relays, 4 by one and probably 4 by 4s and, and all triple jump, all that. And so and he was super – it was super awesome being able to see him go from, you know, basketball guy to track guy. Um, and you, had, you guys did a CD together, too. I, I still have that in my car. <laughs> I, play, I, play that, I play that CD quite a bit. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, um, for, so for you, when, what was kind of the trigger or the thing that made you want to go from uh, being an athlete in college competing to saying, you know, I want to get on the other side of this and join the coaching sphere. Um, and obviously you're, you're, you're in the education section as well. Um, what was, what made you want to be going from receiving the coaching and, and, you know, being an athlete to being on the other side of everything? So, like I said, I, I had no intentions of going into education when I was in school. I was my track, but I was going to law school. So then when I got out of college, I graduated or signed it's the same year my brother did. I transferred. Um, and I had been waitlisted some law schools because I had transferred in and there was some paperwork that was messed up. But I sat around. I'm like, what am I going to do? I had eligibility. So I literally went back to Rosanis to run one more year. And in order to get into the school, I had to find a program. Uh, so they had, they had a student teaching program and you get certified to teach. So I went in there and spent a year just to get certified to teach to run one more year. Um, because I had been, I had been fourth place in our conference meet for three straight years and I wanted to win it. So I went back to school, just one more word to win, win that. And I got ninth in the nationals in the 800. I said, I can do better. Went back and got ninth again. So it was worth it. But so when I got out and I got into teaching, uh, it's funny that, um, Ed Ulmer from Archbishop Bryan High School, who was a legendary coach in the Catholic League in the state of Pennsylvania, had approached me somewhere like in November when I was, I was sitting around, I wasn't doing anything, I was just teaching. Uh, asked me, hey, there's this school up in Northeast Philly that's looking for a coach, National Academy. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. They weren't very good. I think they had like four kids on the team. But so I, I looked into it. I took the job. And then... Uh, built that program up and just started to realize that this is what I wanted to do. I had gotten so much out of the, of the sport and so many people had helped me. I just figured, you know, the least I could do is try to get back. And I, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Either. I mean, I, I just, you know, I did that. I started, actually, I started before that with the father judge. And I know I didn't know what I was doing because they asked me to leave there. You know, I had some good runners, but I mean, I, I didn't know. And then, when I actually got to start the program at Nazareth so I could put my own stamp on I wasn't following anybody's footsteps. And that was probably the best thing because I, I wasn't worried about what other people had done. I just came in there and said, this is what I'm going to do. And of course, I talked to people and all that. And we ended up having a, a, a very successful program. And then, you know, I bounced around a couple of different places and ended up at uh, Haven, partially because of some stuff that I had been doing in some other schools at, at Swenson. Um, and you know, 
So it, it, I knew the first time I went to a meet that I was, you know, I went to a practice that I was going to do this long term. You have seen me at meets. I have been that hyped up, energetic, crazy from November of 1988 until I'll, I'll still do it. You know, my, like I said, my wife and kids think I'm nuts. You know, but it's just, it's, I knew, I knew it was something I wanted to do. And then the education part of it, obviously, I mean, I, I, I regret no moment being a teacher. I think they go hand in hand. I've learned as much about being a teacher from coaching as I'm taking coach, you know, teaching and putting in the coaching. I mean, they work hand in hand. So it's been great. And I've met, I've been lucky to have just awesome kids run for me. You know, we talk about our friends that we met through the sport, the number of, athletes that have run for me that I'm still in contact with, you know, that's, that's a whole lifestyle, life, lifelong friendship right there. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when, and when you say that, you know, you can hear you like at, at the meets, that is no understatement. That might be an understatement because you would be, you could be at the finishing line of the, the 400 on, on your track and you could hear Coach Lent in the parking lot for a mile away, just yelling, move, lift your knees, move, just, just yelling. It was the, the energy that you could bring to a, a dual meet where there's only 20 people there and you, only your parents are in the stands. You, you made it seem like there was you know, a million people watching, just yelling and saying, come on, get your legs up. Let's go. Come on. Come on. And I'm not sure where that came because my, my college coach was a very kind of laid back, quiet guy. You know, he got his message across, but, but what I, but he always did is he always told me why we were doing things and he would yell out splits and all that. So I took that to another level simply because I was so nervous at meets. I mean, you guys didn't know this, but I probably was more nervous than you were for every race. I didn't watch a four by one handoff. I've never watched a four by one handoff in. 32 years of coaching because I can't, I'm too hyped up. So I, I, I channeled all that energy into yelling and making sure, you know, what I took what we did at practice onto the meets. If I was going to do that energy at practice to get everybody to do workouts, let's be honest, at times they didn't want to do, I figured I was going to take that to the meets, you know, and I, and we joke, I mean, I had friends that like, God, Dean, I can hear you, you know, in a cross country course two miles away. When I stop doing that, I'm going to stop coaching. But that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, your your coaching style was one that, as an athlete in the moment, I hated. It was awful because it was so difficult and hard, especially for someone that thinks that you know that for someone that's a, a vaulter on paper and and runs what 10, 10 steps or, or all of you know five ten like fifteen meters. So for for me, it was awful on paper. But looking back at it, it was. I could, I remember you, you saying, Oh no, we're, we're building your base. We're giving you a good, you know, give, making sure you're athletic. Yeah, we'll get you there. And I remember keep asking if we're ever going to do sixties or seventies, 60 meters. You already said, Oh yeah, we'll do that next week. We never did that. That next week's still coming. <laughs> what, what got into your, what made your coaching philosophy kind of be that middle distance thing for even those that were we thought they were short sprinters in order to to build that base, you know, to be you know good athletes. Well, that's interesting. So obviously, you know, coming from a middle distance background as a runner, you know, the, the mindset is, uh, I, you know, this is 
I'm biased towards middle distance runs because I think they can go back and forth. There's a lot of great, you can see it when you look at the, you know, the, the world-class level, these 400-meter runners that are running 44, that can run 140-something and eight, that can go down to the two. Sebastian Coates, a prime example, could run anything from 200 to the mile. So I, I always went in with the mindset that a lot, of, a lot of kids thought they were sprinters, but the reality is they weren't. Right. But because sprinting has always had that, oh, it's easy to do. Kids, taunt, you know, I'm going to run the 100. I'm going to run the 60. Easy to do. But, you know, from doing it, it's not. It's painful. Uh, it requires quite a bit of stamina. You have to run rounds and rounds and rounds of things. You better be strong. So once I, once I figured out that, you know, that we needed to get people strong. Because think about it. Guys come, a lot of people come from another sport show up to run track and field and it's really the training for the other sport very few people come to the sport because they want to be great runners right so you, you have to figure out what it is it that they need to do well yeah you're fast but how fast are you all you do is you put them on track and get somebody fast and they might then they say well maybe i'm not that fast well my job is to find the best event for everybody and you know i remember we talked about what you're going to do and and I, I remember coming up with my wife. I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it with this young man. The Mulder just wants to sprint, sprint, sprint. I said, but I see potential to be a really good jumper, really good 400-meter runner, you know, could go beyond just Mulder. And your senior year, you bought into everything. And as a result, I mean, you're pretty damn good on – you were integral on all our relays in the jump. So I think I, I just – I was stubborn enough to think that what I was doing was working. And – I guess you could sit, look back on it and go, yeah, it was. And I'll give you a story. Like, so obviously you know that I spent almost 10 years at Swenson. I'm still at Swenson, right? Mm -hmm. And we have had some incredibly successful sprinters. You remember Niger Mathis that ran for us, you know? So when I came to Swenson, uh, Strathaven, and guys were like, well, what are we doing? All I, in my mind, was like, well, it worked for that dude. That kid ran 19 minutes at Belmont Plateau. He was the furthest thing from a 5,000-meter run. But he also ran 689 in the 60 and 1064 in the 100 and 48 second, you know, seconds in the 400. So I just figured this had worked. And, you know, and, I, and I'm sure there was mistakes along the way, uh, as, as we all do. But um, I got a lot of it to, a lot of what I eventually brought to your place, you know, to Stratton was when I got to Swenson and I, I had a great assistant coach, Tim Hickey, who probably is the most successful coach in Pennsylvania. I think we figured it out one time. Uh, his William Penn girls won 18 state indoor championships, the first 14 in a row, and the hands in others. So he taught me what we could actually expect from sprinters, you know, what they could do. To still be fat. And our girls would be the same thing. When are we going to sprint? When are we going to sprint? No, you just ran 139 in the 4x2. You just ran 346 in the 4x4. 4697 in the 4x1. Some of those girls run all three relays. And 940 in the 4x8. One, two girls run all four of those relays. Like, so I, 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 he, he showed me what we could do with sprinters that still could get speed. But then when we got to the state meet, you know, in a small school like ours, to win a statement, you got to run 10 races in two days. What you can't do is win 10, run 10 races in two days just with speed. You need strength. So when I was 
giving you that whole story about strength. It was, if we get to the end of the season, what are you going to have left in the tank? And you can see it. How many guys were, how many bowlers did you know that were, if they had to jump more than they were ready to jump, were tired? They just had, didn't have it in their legs. Or jumpers that just ran out of gas that they had to go six rounds because they you know, made the finals and it took to the end. So I always thought, well, if, if, the, if the end of the season is the most state meet mattered, let's make sure that when it gets to the state meet, you got to run two rounds at 100, two, three rounds at 100, three rounds at 200, two rounds at a four by four, and two rounds at a four by one. You're going to be able to do it and you're going to run well. So, I mean, like I said, I couldn't be wrong. And, you know, I've always believed that philosophies work for people when people they're coaching buy into what they're doing. Because you've seen some crazy workouts that people do and you're like, I don't know how those teams are successful, but it works for them. You know, uh, I've always said, and, and I, I truly believe, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. I, I you know, I, I may have been lucky. Uh, I may have just been blessed to have incredibly talented athletes. I think I'm really good at convincing people that they can be better than they want to be. So if there's, if there's one thing I think I'm, I, 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 I've been good with coaching is just saying, listen, you may not think you're going to do this, but this is what you're going to do. And I'll keep them, you know, listen, I know you, you probably complain about me as much as anybody, but then like you say, you look back, I'm like, wow, I, I didn't think, you know, so much so that I think we got together like you're in between high school and college and we were working out up at the school. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know we were going to talk to him. <laughs> I was just this guy coming in. I'm like, all right. So I don't know if that answer question, but I said, I, I just, I just felt that what I was doing was, was going to work for, for an entire year. And since most high school kids run an entire year, that was always my philosophy. You know, I was not used to having just kids that played one, you know, track and field just one year. You know, if it's just one season, then things would have to be different. Like when Caleb came in there, you had to adjust what he did because he's only going to get one season out of it. So maybe you can do a little bit more because you know your, your window's there. But for, for a long season, a long year, indoor, outdoor, cross country, I just thought that that was the, the best approach. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it was definitely grueling at times. It was hard. And yeah, like you said, that there was times when, uh, when I was in college thinking about coming back to doing workouts, I'm like, do I really want to let, let know that I'm here? Because I know he's going to make me do some, he's not going to let up and be like, oh, you're a college guy. You can, you know, just do what you want. I know if I go back to high school for these workouts, I am going to be in pain. Do I really want to do that to myself? And so there was, there was times where I'm like, ah, I could just go to, you know, another track and do something and, and avoid it. But I was like, no, you know, it, it worked out when I was there. Like, I got to go back. And it, it reminds me, so I, I remembered, I was thinking of, of this story. And whenever people ask me, what is the hardest workout that you've ever had in track and field? I'm like, easy. This one workout pops into mind. It was, I believe my senior year, it was towards the end of the season because it was when we were getting ready for States. And so it was just everyone when we were trying to, uh, it towards, uh, indoors, indoors. Uh, so we were trying to get ready for, for States for like something. I, it was some relay. So I guess maybe four by two, we were trying to qualify or something like that. And so it's, uh, there's four guys or five guys. It's me, Connor, Alex, uh, Paul, and um, Amir, I think was, was there as well. And so we're, we're doing the workout and you're like, all right, we've got 16 200s. 
And the way that this was, it's not like we're, it's outside on the track. This was inside in the hallway where you would start at the end of the hallway, run down, you go through this door, then there's going to be a trash can at the bottom and you got to run around the trash can, come back up. And that's, that's your, your 200. And it wasn't like a slow jog. It was, you're like, Hey, we want it to be like pretty close to, to race pace. I think it was like 20, like not maybe 25. I can't remember. Cause I know it wasn't exactly that always, that always tight too. So yeah. And, it, and it's a, yeah, it's a tight squeeze. And I remember like you would have to go down during the workouts every single time because people would move this trash can one foot, one foot, one foot. So then these times are like, Oh, these times are, are really good. Well, it's, yeah, it's cause we're running 30 less feet. But so I remember first when we're doing this, I'm like, okay, all right, we've done stuff like this before, but your expectations of the times were faster because you're trying to qualify for like four by two or something. And so first set, it's all right. Like I'm like, okay, got through it. Not too bad, but we only had, I think it was two and a half minutes or maybe three minutes of workout. We did it. We did it in groups there. So we would do it in groups. Mm-hmm. You do four, then another group four. Yeah. There's not much recovery. Yep. And so we, you'd finish. And so you'd have time to get some water. Like if you go quickly all the way down and then come back. And so I remember first one, I finished it. I'm like, okay, like, looking good it's all right and 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 this is all with the fast group so it's not like you can you can't slack you'd be one behind the other and so if you slow down everyone else slows down and then we get yelled at by you because why why the heck are you five feet behind you know paul come on get up there and so by the the second one i'm like man this is starting to hurt and everyone has shin splints because you're running in the freaking you know hallway and everyone has shoes that they've worn for two years because no one's changing and I remember we finished the second set. I'm like, all right, like, come on. We, we got to figure out a way to do this. Then uh, third set, start getting, the, start getting stomach cramps. And I'm like, this isn't good. This isn't good. I wasn't one to complain too much during workouts, but I'm starting to be like, oh, coach, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. And I, I think like Connor and Alex had already dropped out. So it's just me, Paul and Amir at this point. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And you're like, ah, oh, come on. No, we're almost there. We're almost there. Keep it up. You got, you got, you got what? One, one set to go. Like, it's not too difficult. Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, okay. And so we had, it was our last set. And uh, it was on our very last rep. I remember I went, ran down. I was leading in the 200. And we go down, come back around. I had a little bit of space from Paul. He had fallen back just a little bit. And the second I crossed the line, and, you, and so for people that don't know, you have like five to 10 feet between the end line and the wall. It is not very far at all. And I just collapsed being so tired the second I crossed that line. And Paul didn't see me. And he like ran like right over me. And like, you now I'm just, and I just didn't care because I'm just super tired. I just laid there for like, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You're like, all right, come on. It's time to get a cool down. There's no shot. I'm cooling down coach. I'm laying down here until my mom comes to pick me up. And that it took me probably 30 minutes to do a walk down the hallway when it would normally take someone like two minutes. It was the worst workout I've ever had. And so whenever I'm tired, 
lifting or anything. I remember that 16 200s that you made me do. And I'm like, it's not that bad. Whatever I'm doing right now isn't as bad as when I had to run 16 200s in a cramped hallway with, you know, some of the, the four of the fastest guys in my school. So that was easily hands down the worst workout I've ever had in my entire life. And it's funny is that um, over the years, so, you know, you you find workouts that people just take to, right? There were some, so we would do something like that, you know, 16, 200s or, or do 600. Sometimes it's all about what's in your head. You come to practice like, yeah, they're not, it's not going to work. But there are kids that, I, that ran for me, love that workout. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. They loved it because, you know, what happens is, and you know that hallway, I could tell where you were by the lights, like whether you're going to hit, right? Yeah. So it became a competition in the workout. You're like, oh, I ran this workout. And you said early on in the year, maybe you're running 28 seconds. Now you're running 25 seconds. So it's hard because the effort was what you put into it. And then what what I got through, I think, is you know that speed that we never seem to do? That workout was, I mean, think about what you just did. You did 16 work, 200s almost, you know, where you would, if I said to do one, you're like, oh, I'm running pretty fast. But there are kids that love that workout. There are people that hated that one. They would be absent back then. Like, they just had an idea. That's why I never really told them about what we were doing ahead of time. Oh, yeah. That, look, now I got to go. Looking back at, at that, that was actually my favorite thing because I had the same mantra in, in college where I was like, I don't want to know what I'm doing. Just tell me, get on the line. And then you're like, all right, 200, 30, 20, like 29 seconds, go. And then I'm like, all right, we're going to do it. And then you say, this is what the workout is. Because if I knew the day before, you know, I might have a cough that day, you know. And I, and I was the other way around. I wanted to know what we were doing. Um, my college coach would be like, I just show up on track. I wanted to know. I wasn't not going to show up. It just, for me, it was a way to process it. But uh, there's a few times where, and that's probably the reason why I started, you know, like when I, once I, gave the workouts i explained why we were doing it so that people didn't like just like said, go to the bathroom and never come back which always happens but i i i wanted to know because it would allow me i understand now why i'm doing this but um i never i realized the first time i was coaching especially in the philly public they don't tell us you know because they're like yo did someone so grab the bus yeah like ah. so i stopped telling them workout so what are we going to do today ah it's easy you'll like this you'll like this workout so Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad. I have I have a list of like my top ten workouts, things that to this day that I did that I can't. You know, I look back and go, oh, I hated. I was gonna quit the sport, but I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it think was, every I think every athlete has that. It was something that yeah, like looking back at it during the day, I was like, I hate coach right now. Like during this workout, like I'm on this line, and you're like three, two, one. And I'm just like, damn it! All right, here we go. And I'm like, every step, I'm like, Lent is the worst coach ever. This is awful. And then, you know, the next day and, you know, the, when the net, when the meet comes around and, you know, I've, I'm on my 10th jump of the day, I'm not tired. Everyone else is, you know, laying on the ground. They're not, you know, my competition's not ready. I'm still all good. I'm like, all right, maybe that, maybe Lent knows what he's talking about. <laughs> maybe he knows what he was doing. I crossed my fingers a lot of times. I joke about it, but I really, I mean, I, I, I am not as, I should be confident about it because, you know, I've had some success, but I've always been, always tempered with, you know, I've never put the jersey on of any school that I've coached. So 
I'm not going to take the credit for what what the athletes did. My job is to make sure that you were prepared, you got to the track, and 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 you did what you had to do. So I mean, I I'm I'm appreciative that that you know you get a lot of accolades as coaches for things that our athletes do. I, I mean, I've um, I've always wondered, you know, what keeps me in the sport is like I just had a conversation with somebody the other day. Maybe I should get back into coach. Like why? But, I'm just kind of curious. Maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And see if I, you know, just the challenge. I don't know if my wife would be okay with that, but you know, I keep my hand in the sport. Uh, I like what I'm doing right now with the sport. So, but I, um, yeah, I, 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 I sometimes wonder. Like, oh, it worked. Okay, good. Walk back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not everybody. Not everybody likes it. I mean, there, there are quite a few people that probably still hate me to this day, but. For the most part, I think it's been, uh, I hope it was a good experience for people. It really good. Oh, yeah. It definitely was helpful. Um, yeah, on and off the track, um, just thinking of just thinking of things like that. But um, one one thing that I, I was wondering, want to get your opinion on, No, we, we kind of chatted on it briefly beforehand, is this year for, for track and field. So for me, I mentioned it in a few other episodes that I thought that this year was going to be pretty much a wash of a season, high school through professional. I thought we weren't going to see really anything spectacular because so many people have been out of the sport for so long and hadn't competed for so long. Yet, we're, yet we've seen some pretty impressive records go down. I mean, we saw just this past Sunday, the national record in the 200 go down, taking down Noah Lyle's record. And we've seen a couple world records and triple jump and, and shot put and the, uh, tons of national records as well. I mean, it's been really an, an interesting year for track. And I want to kind of see what were, what was your thoughts on this season so far, um, you know, that we've had with just the, the few months that, that it's been going on. Well, I, like you, initially thought, wow, I don't know what we're going to get. Because I think when the seasons shut down, the assumption was a lot of people were shutting down. What we didn't know is behind the scenes, these athletes were still doing quite a bit of running on their own or improvising people on treadmills bikes. But once they, they they were still they were still getting themselves ready for what would eventually open up to the season. Um, I'm amazed I love I love the fact that I'm just jotting down some of the things. The eight hundred I mean obviously I'm an eight hundred meter guy, just what uh Donovan Brazier and Hopple and uh, the Giles from Great Britain just to see those kind of performances that you know it, it's it's amazing. The, the mile that the, the, the three Oregon guys just ran, you know, we have five guys under five, four minutes at, at Oregon. The collegiate level, it's like 10 guys under four minutes. It's things that I think we thought weren't going to be there. But then when I look back on it, I thought maybe the performances are because of the fact that there was not so much racing being done. You know, it, it, you know when I was in college and, and, and a lot of the guys my age, you know, Colleges had dual meets and then invitations. So you were running during the week against the team for two or three. You know, I'd run a, a league meet on a Wednesday and then try to go to an invitation on Saturday. You do that all year, but there's a point where you just run out of gas and there's too much emphasis. And I know the colleges have backed away from that. You're starting to see a little bit of these kind of old school dual meets just to kind of bring back some competition. But I think there was a lot of racing going on. And you know, it obviously has to cut into training. So I think because people 
maybe got a break from the competitive part of it and allowed themselves to get stronger and healthier and maybe do some things that they couldn't do during the season, allowed these performances to be what they are. I mean, just, this has been an unbelievable year. Just PA alone, for, for, for a state that hasn't really had much of an indoor season, you're seeing some performances that are, and the girl from out west just ran 56 and a 400. I don't know how big that PR is. Uh, you know, you're not seeing some of the schools that are traditionally strong competing because of the limits in their own leagues and all that. But I, I believe that the, 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 the lack of competition, hard competition every week for almost a year allowed us to see some of the things we're seeing. And then I know I, I said before, I read an article that people are obviously putting a lot of the emphasis on the shoes and the spikes. You know, maybe the spikes are giving an advantage, but I believe that everybody is doing the same thing. Like if the, if the playing field is equal and all these shoe companies are coming up with the same kind of spikes, I mean, listen, you're running 20 points in the 200, you're fast. I mean, the collegiate top time is 20:41. The kid, Terrence Laird, who ran at Coachville High School, he's fast. You know, the, the, the banks, the tracks are fast, the shoes are fast. You're still going to be able to run this time, so. But that's my thing. My my take is, is I just think that you know maybe maybe this will re have people rethink how much they race during the year. Because I don't know what when you were in college if you if you felt like wow I'm just doing too much or you know you're going to the well once one time too many. If, if you could go back and take away some of the things you did, would it make it you know would you be more successful? I know I would. I ran so many races as a senior. By the time the end of the track season, I was just dead. Because I would run the 8, the 15, the 4x4 every meet. You know, I think I ran like 30 races in, in a small season when I was a senior. I was just tired. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that it's um, it's surprising, but not really, that the people that are taking the sport seriously to begin with took it seriously during training. Because everyone, especially, you know, during, like, if you want to get better at track and field, you need to practice more. You don't need to compete more. It's not like football where you need to actually have the football game to get better at football. Like there's only so much you can do because you're not going to be, you know, full hitting people as often in practice and football, but in track and field, the, the, you get better by practicing like so much more than you do at races like during the competition that's where you're there to execute what you've done in practice and so I it's no surprise when you think about it that hey the people that were trying to make nationals you know that got it cut while they were at the meet are going to take it very seriously when they have a year to just train and whatever coaches they have are going to be like okay this we know we're not going to have any meets so we can do more workouts and we can have more of a focus on things that we didn't have an option to have because we had a meet that we had to be ready for. And so I can't, you know, go have a full cycle or that I would like to have because we have to cut it short because conference championships is this week. And so we can't, you know, go all the way through the, the, you know, what I'd like to do because of this. And I think, yeah, this is going to show, especially for those top guys, that, that are that are really elite and competing at a high level, I think it's going to show, hey, maybe instead of doing what, like eight 
meets or six, seven meets during an indoor season, maybe let's cut that down to five or four, spread it out a little bit and really be able to compete at a higher level. I mean, in the high, high school, it's so, it's so difficult, especially outdoors, because you do have those two meets a week. Um, and obviously the coaches, they, they want to, they, you guys, you guys really want to do well during those dual meets. And, uh, like we do too, you want to beat your local high school. So I think it, it's difficult, it's difficult on the high school level because you just have so many more competitions, but I think those elite like LSU and, you know, Arkansas, all those big schools, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're probably going to cut down on the amount of meets they do in the future. One, it'll save them a little money. I'm sure not having to travel as much. And two, it'll allow for those better athletes to, to go through more of a, a training cycle to be able to peak at the comp, at the championships for NCAAs or whatever it is, you know, when they need to. Yeah. And I think you've always had athletes that have, you know, have, and coaches that have been very selective with some of the really, really good athletes that have on the team. And, and, and these, and these times may still be there if we had had a regular season. I think one is notable because we haven't had the sport in a while. So to see somebody at 35 years old on 22 points who hadn't run an indoor meet 18 years is going to stand out. To see a, a 144, a 144, 800 as an 800 meter run, like, wow. Because, I mean, it may have happened last year. It may have been a bunch of guys, but because we're, I think also, know dying for the sport right now you know just to see the competition these things stand out even more it makes you appreciate the sport but you're right i think you, I, you know maybe maybe we're wrong i mean maybe it'll go back to the same way it was i think there's certainly something to be said with what we're seeing and how selective people are with racing not the training but the racing part of it mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been impressive I, I am certainly anxious to see what happens in the spring you know, um, with the invitationals, how it's going to be with, with you know, uh, limited fields as far as, you know, people watching and all that. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. There's, there's, uh, the future looks good. American distance running is mm-hmm. definitely on it. I, I said, as a middle distance guy, I love it. I, I you know, There's have been start- waiting for that for a long time. Yeah, they're really starting to to make a name. I think it really started with Centrowitz in in twenty what twenty sixteen. Uh, you know, really showing that American distance running can can like there's a there's a possibility for it. It's not just going to be dominated by you know like the Kenyas and and other you know African nations where they have they're super dominant in in distance because of you know elevations and just how dedicated they are in that field. I think having this new era of uh, distance runners in, in, in America with, you know, Hopple, uh, Brazier and, uh, you know, all those guys, uh, really showing that there is a future in this, you know, in the American distance field that can be dominant. It's not, it does, it's not just going to be, you know, the sprints like that it's been for the past, you know, X amount of years, it's going to be this new, the new kid on the block. And it's looking forward to seeing how, how it's going to turn out in for this Olympics coming up. And look at and we have totally gone over the, the women's like some of the, the the women middle and distance runners in America. Well, we haven't seen quite a few of them yet. I mean, we've seen quite a bit, especially during the early part where you know that Nike group and all that. They were running out in Oregon. Some of those those outdoor meets where they were running some ridiculous five and ten thousand meters. But think about the women in America at eight hundred meters. Just in this just this training group we have in the Philadelphia area with Ajay Wilson. And, you know, Sierra Brown is out here now, former 
Philly Public League runner and all. I mean, those they haven't been on the track yet. I don't believe I've seen much on them. So I'm anxious to see what we do. It's going to be exciting. You know, yeah. the Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics are going to be fun. Yeah, I think this is there's really starting to be this new crop of of talent, and I'm glad that we're we. While we don't have, I would say, like one name like there was with Usain Bolt, that's like the face of the sport. I think each event group has someone that's like really dominant and like the face of sprinting or distance running or throwing, whatever it might be. There's several of those people that are kind of taking that burden instead of just, hey, let's have one person that is going to represent our entire sport. Um, I'm glad to see that that a variety of people are stepping up both, you know, just being personable, being able to be liked and of course being, being talented as well. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to, to watch the Olympics this year and yeah, see where, you know, not only the U S team, but across the world. The good thing about track and field, I think is that, yeah, you can root on all your hometown favorites. Whoever is fast is fast. Whoever is running a good mile is a good mile. Just to see the performance, you know, that, that's what that's what why I always come back to the sport. I'm I'm just amazed at what humans can do. You know, they just they, I don't think there's a limit, and it's just every time you think ah oh, that can't be done, you see something like wow, I must think of the sport. And as as somebody who's on the upper end of the age bracket there <laughs> it's nice to see that you can still and this is important you can still do when you're old you know i'm not playing football at 55 but i can still go out and run at 55 mm-hmm. yeah we have the guy that what he's run four minute sub four minute mile 18 years in a row uh it, yeah crazy it's it's he'll come over to he's come over a couple times to Swarthmore and done uh when they have their end of the year last chance he's come over there and, and pace you know, run a mile and come back and run another heat right after to pace people through. Oh, it's amazing. It's it's crazy that you can how how talented some people are. But um, coach, thank you so much for for taking the time and doing this. It's been been awesome re- reconnecting with you, uh, talking some old stories and and all that. But uh, thank you and um, really really appreciated the the time. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Uh, I mean, I think what you're doing is is, is fantastic. This is. This is something I think the sport needs. I mean, there's little things like that out there, but it's great to uh, to see it. You know, I follow you on uh, all the social media sites, so I'm, uh, you know, I wish you the best. And, and reach out anytime. I'm sure we'll see each other around the neighborhood or something. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you, and thank you to everyone that's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News, one of our interview series. Uh, if you want to have some more content, go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. And if you would like, please make sure that you leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the show. Uh, really helps us know that you're enjoying everything. Uh, have a good one and peace.